Season 2, Episode 12, Interview with President of HTC Vive China, Alvin Wang Graylin. VR Podcast, your realm for all things immersion tech in education and business. Prepare to be transported. Here are your hosts, Alex, Stephen, Amanda, and James. Would you like to find out more information on sponsoring our podcast? Email thevrpodcast at gmail.com to find out more. Without further ado, let's start the show. Welcome. Today we're excited to bring on guest Alvin Wayne Graylin, the president of HTC Vive China. Alvin has been involved in the virtual reality industry for many years and is making great strides in implementing virtual reality in education in China. Alvin, can you take a moment to introduce yourself and talk about when you began to learn about and get interested in virtual reality? Um, sure. So um, I'm Melvin Wangrelin. I'm the HTC uh, China president here, uh, running, uh, I guess, the overall business in the region. Uh, I also am uh, co-head of the Vivex program, where we've made over 100 investments in the in the uh, VR space over the last you know, two, two and a half years. Uh, and I'm also the president of the VRVCA, the Virtual Reality Venture Capital Alliance, with uh, over 50 VC members from around the world that invest uh, in the VR, AR, and AI space. Uh, and I am also the co-chair for the IVRA, the Industry VR Alliance. It's a 300-company membership uh, program that's an uh, organization that's uh, co-founded with the Chinese Ministry of Indus Information and Industries. Um, so wow. it's, uh, wow. it's, it's a pleasure to, to be here. <laughs> and that mouthful. was a mouthful. Yeah. Well, we're, <laughs> like we're yes. honored. You're the end all be all. So, but, uh, so I've been in, in, I guess, involved in the VR space since the early 90s. I had actually studied with Tom Furness uh, mm. back at the HIT Lab, the Human Interface Technology Lab in, uh, at the University of Washington, uh, where it was actually, I think, the first uh, private institution uh, focused on virtual reality uh, back in the early 90s. Um, and I've been very uh, optimistic about the potential of this technology, particularly applied to education. In fact, my study and research paper there was about how VR was going to disrupt education in the next 10 years. And this was in the early 90s. Unfortunately, it didn't happen uh, as quickly as I expected, but I am definitely seeing the signs that in the next few years, uh, this, you know, this technology is going to change education uh, for good and uh, in a very, very broad and deep way. What, what signs are those that you're seeing? Like what's making you think that now we're ready? Um, I think the, you know, where, we're working with so many research and education institutions now for both deploying as well as doing pilots and as well as doing research. And we can see the real impact that it has on, on children's education, on adult education, on sports education, uh, and on corporate training. Wow. So I recall, I think I heard you say um, in another interview that you actually wrote your PhD thesis on virtual reality and education. Can you just, uh, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about that research and what you learned and, you know, sort of how has that kind of 
how has that been sort of a thread through your career to where you are today? Okay. Um, so, so in, in reply to your question, I, I actually don't have a PhD. I, I, I don't know uh, that uh, misinformation came from, but I do have a double master's from MIT and I have a bachelor's of uh, electrical engineering from the University of Washington. So that was where I did my research and uh, it gotcha. was uh, more a senior, senior research paper that I did mm -hmm. for uh, with the hit lab uh, during my uh, my last couple of years at the University of Washington. And, you know, the key learning was just, you know, the, the, the immersive nature of this technology uh, greatly enhances education and enhances focus, and it allows for better retention of data, right? And even at the technology that was, you know, available in, in the early 90s, which was very, very blocky and very primitive, uh, we were showing that there is value there. And what we're finding now is that with the available technology today uh, and the much enhanced fidelity and immersion that we can provide, uh, that the, the educational impact is even greater. And it's, it's across the board. And that, that's what excites me is that you know, every research we've done, we've consistently shown you know, significant you know, multi-X type of improvements in terms of how much people learn, how much people remember, how well people do on post-study tests, how, how excited they are about the topic once they come out of it, right? And those kind of things uh, are what's going to lead people to want to keep using it. And it, it's particularly in areas where it's hard to duplicate in the real world. Right? where it, it's either complex topics that are hard to visualize or it's complex scenarios that uh, are hard to recreate in the real world or it's potentially dangerous scenarios like working with chemicals or working with uh, you know, high voltage electricity where you can do that easily with no physical danger or penalty or risk in the real world. And you know, we've seen that done uh, in multiple studies and in multiple institutions and in, in multiple companies. And uh, it's, it's just amazing the type of results that we, we're getting. And then everybody who we are involved with comes out wanting to do more. Right? And that, that's what excites me. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a glimpse of that very early on. And that does seem like it's still been a thread through your career and something that you believe deeply in. Uh, absolutely. And I, I, you know, coming from an Asian background where, as you know, this culture focuses heavily on education and not just, you know, short-term education, but lifelong education. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think the Confucius uh, saying is all about, you know, learning uh, from your young to your old. You know, it's, it's uh, mm -hmm. the, the concept of lifelong learning has been here for forever. And uh, people here particularly uh, want to make sure that their children uh, get uh, a a decent education and has a potential to to have a, a healthy and, and happy life. Right. So, so Alvin, go, going back to touching on that and going back to what you said earlier about VR, being able to give access to things that they've never tried. I think you mentioned that at VEC, uh, going places that students have never been to, traveling back in time. If we, if we recognize that VR can do these great things for us, Talk about some of the reasons why maybe uh, we're not there yet. We're not seeing VR take off as quickly as possible as AR maybe. And, and I think VR is going to be more powerful or some sort of mixed form as well. Yeah. So, I mean, for, first, I, I, you know, I, I want to make sure that people don't really separate the two too much. I don't right. think VR and AR are competing technologies. Mm. They, it, it, we're just going through a phase where right now they're kind of in separate forms and separate devices, but in a very, very mm. short 
you know, future in the next few years, the two technologies will combine. They will come into one one device. They will be selectable. People will choose to use, you know, one the other or a mix of the two uh, on an as needed basis. And at that point, it's really about this whole immersive computing. So, so it's uh, I, I don't want you know there to be a real yeah. debate about the two. Um, but I think one thing you know your first part of the question is why hasn't it taken off? Why has it taken so long? I think that the key is really about the change in user behavior. Changing mm-hmm. people's behavior is really hard. Changing people's acceptance of a new way to interact with anything is really hard. It's taken us, you know, like 20, 30 years to get people to to use keyboards, to and to use mouse, and to use touchscreens. And you know what what's happening now with these this new immersive computing, you know, metaphor is that people are now are actually having to change the, the the way they interact with devices again, and having to put something on their head that you know. Uh, can some people seen as potentially you know dorky or or non-fashionable and or messes up their makeup or their hair or whatever right there's there's a thousand reasons why people say hey you know i i don't i don't want to put this on my head and i think a lot of it is also just that it's a it's a new concept there there aren't a lot of other forms of education where you have to put a device on your face right and and that's something that that it will take time for people to to see the value, you know. Um, I think or see the trade off of of the the changing behavior versus the value it, it provides. What we will also find in a very short time frame, next few years, is that devices are going to get much smaller and they're going to look a lot closer to sunglasses or ski goggles or even normal glasses in a very near term. And when that happens, this this barrier to having a device on your head will start to go away. Right. Um, and gotcha. also when the when the use cases doesn't require you to, to you know use a, a controller, which is again another unnatural device uh, that that uh, people have to learn have to learn where the buttons are, particularly if you put this headset on you know and I, I work with a lot of first time users and I, I see the frustration that they have now you know the, the one thing is that the potential of VR is that mm. it can actually allow us to interface with computers and technology and each other in a much, much more natural way, in the, in the way that we've been, you know, evolved to, to use over the last millions of years of, of our species. So that's probably the most natural way for us to interact, but the technology isn't completely there yet, you know, which, is, uh, which, I, which gives me a lot more hope because I think in the next few years, in, in fact, in the next year or two, you'll find that hand, hand gesture control, finger control are going to be much more natural in terms of how we interface with the technology. So, so we don't have to necessarily rely on a, a device, a controller. We'll also find that eye tracking will become a part of, of uh, common devices. You know, it's, it's in our Vipro Eye that uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're shipping this month. And, you know, that's, that's uh, the first VR device out there that is completely, you know, uh, embedded with uh, eye tracking. Right. And having your eyes actively controlling things and being able to have your other people that you're socializing with see where your eyes are moving, uh, that changes actually the whole communication model and becomes much more natural. Now, once we yeah. interact and, and mix that together with, with natural hand tracking, which is also part of our, our, uh, uh, our Sense SDK that we released at GDC this year, essentially all of our VR devices today allows for hand tracking, 
and for the the standalones for uh, uh, for finger tracking soon. Right now we have we have gesture tracking on on the standalones, and we have things full hand and finger tracking on the Pro, right, mm. and the Pro I. Well, with with those two factors, now uh, I think the the adoption and the, the the ease of use and the natural uh, interface models will will you know come into effect a lot more than it has been. Right now. Um, mm. You know, again, the, the, the other reason why I think it's taken a lot longer is that there is uh, the cost factor, there is the, the complexity factor, right? Now, having to have a high-end PC, having to hook it up, having to have a bunch of wires, having to set it up so that your, your, your tracking systems work every time, for a lot of people, that's still challenging. Which is why I'm I'm so excited about what we're doing with the Vifocus and the Vifocus Plus, which is a completely you know six degrees of freedom standalone. You put this on, and yeah. you're up and running, and you're in this virtual world. Uh, in fact, today I, I just saw that um, our our Western sites are now allowing for purchase of the Vifocus directly on our website. It's been available in China for about a month, uh, and the and uh, you know the Focus original Focus has been available for about a year. So. Uh, you know, that, that technology we've seen deployed in Chinese classrooms for over the last year. And I got to say, uh, you know, everybody that touches it gets excited about it. And that's even with a three-dot controller, right? Now, yeah. with a six-dot controller that you have, with a, a pair of six-dot controllers that you have with the Vifocus Plus, uh, you know, students can do essentially everything that they would be doing on a PC VR system. Now, without any wires, now without any setup, now without having to worry about, you know, the uh, up controller updates or or uh, driver updates and, you know, all these other things that are, that are issues with the, the current generation of PC-focused devices. And not having to have a teacher have to learn and be technology savvy enough to manage all these devices and be able to be the IT guy. Right? That, that's been, a, an, I think, an, a, a big issue for, for adoption in, in classrooms is because, you know, teachers are teachers. They're not necessarily IT geeks that are going to be able to help you, you know, uh, debug devices that are, you know, a, a group of devices being managed. And most schools don't necessarily have that expertise either. So, you know, now where you can have dozens or if not, in fact, we've had classes with several hundred, 300 simultaneous users in a single VR environment being managed with a laptop, right? That's the kind of thing that, that, that gets me excited because I, I see people using this. I see it being deployed. You know, a year, year and a half ago, we were trying to deploy, deploy, uh, Vive classrooms that were 50 person classrooms and it took us a week we had to send two or three engineers to to these schools to help them set up and and separate blocks of rows and each row had its own separate uh lighthouse con, uh, you know uh, lighthouse tracking systems that that kind of uh, didn't interfere with each other it, it was a pain now hmm. we can set up a, a 50 person classroom in 20 minutes wow how, yeah. how are you managing so, that? Like, how are you doing that? Because one of the biggest questions that I get asked having uh, integrated VR into the classroom is setup. Like, how do you set it up? How do you enroll the devices and how do you manage them? So what are you Yeah, so we, we have a subsidiary called VIVEDU. It's a Vive Education Group and, uh, you know, in China. And they've been focused from day one for essentially the last three years. All they do is education-focused development, content management. So they, they've created, you know, or we've created this, this collection of content uh, that, that is directly synced to the curriculum uh, of both K-12 as well as college-level uh, curriculum uh, in China. 
of course, you know, some of the content can also be very applicable to the, the Western markets as well. Um, but, uh, you know, it also comes with, with content management and content creation. So you can essentially just, you know. That was my next we, question. Can we create? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so we created the content development tools that are uh, as simple as, uh, as uh, using PowerPoint. So essentially, if a teacher can make their own PowerPoint slides, they can create VR content. You know, it's like a drag and drop model. And you just, you know, you essentially, and in fact, it's called VR, I think it's called VR PPT or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's a toolkit. Uh, so just because we want to make it so easy to understand, right? That, that what right. does this do? And it doesn't have to be scary, right? You don't have to be a, a C++ developer to make this content. You know, that, that's what we want to let people know. And once this content is created, it goes and it can be uploaded into a public library that other teachers can share. Right. That's, so we want to make every teacher a creator. Right? And I, I think that that's the, the solution to having enough content because, you know, just like in, in the, the social kind of sphere, there's probably 1% of people that create, you know, 9% of people that, that uh, interact and comment on that creation. <laughs> yeah. And then you have 90% of people that consume it. Right. I think it'll be the same mm -hmm. kind of, of model that happens in, in the, the, the teacher-created content model, where there will be these super teachers that love creating content. They will create content. They will share it to other teachers, and there might be some modification by some other teachers to make it more their own. Uh, and then there'll be a lot of teachers that say, hey, you know, this stuff is great. I'll just use it, right? And, and we want to, you know, make that collection of content as big and as, as high quality as possible. Right. Um, so, so that's what we're doing. And then we also have the, the, the classroom management systems that allow teachers to be able to see all the students, see what they're looking at, be able to, to you know, control where they are and move them on to essentially these virtual field trips, put them into, into a, a new setting, put them into a video environment, put them in, you know, trans, uh, kind of essentially transport them into a VR environment, a scene that they want to go into. They can even give specific instructions to specific individuals uh, in this environment to say, hey, you know, you should be looking at this area, not that area. They can do instant pop quizzes uh, inside the VR space wow. and say, hey, are you, are you guys getting it? And, you know, here, uh, should it, should, you know, if you were in this situation, would you pick A, B, or C? And then instantly the teachers can see, are these kids learning? Are they, are they picking up, you know, the, the topics, right? And, and, and all of this can be recorded, all of this can be tracked, and all the test re results can create reports. You know, that's the kind of thing that, that you know, our team's been spending years uh, creating, and, and, you know, we're happy to share that with the world. When, when do you think we'll be able to check out the, the Vive Focus Plus in, in, the, in the West here? When is that coming uh, well, to market? I, the, the, the Vive Focus Plus, actually, I just posted something on Twitter today. You, there's a link right now you can download or not download. You can go and purchase it online today, get delivery, you know, in a matter of days uh, of this product uh, to your home or office or school. Right. Oh, that's so awesome. it, 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 it's, it's available. And, you know, in fact, uh, a lot of people say, hey, uh, your price is high, $79.9 for a device. But if you look at what Oculus Quest just posted a week ago or two weeks ago, is that their Oculus Quest for business is $999. It's not a, it's not a cheap device. And, you know, whether you're a school or a business, you kind of have to use the enterprise version because you need to be able to manage it. You need to be able to, to control it. You need to be able to make sure that it's secure. You need to make sure that, you know, you can update it remotely and all these other things that are needed for a, a, you know, 
a group management mm-hmm. device versus what you would use at home, right? They, they're positioning their product as a, a home device game console. And if you want your kids to play games all day, great. You can buy a consumer version. But if you want to be able to manage what content's on there and have a store that is only, you know, your educational content, you can't really do that with a consumer device. So, so uh, Focus Plus, yeah, you, you think that's the, the education solution or is that that's what you guys are going to be I, I, focusing on? Yeah, I mean, on? I mean fo- Focus, focus for, for Plus, classroom. Uh, yeah, yeah, Focus Plus comes uh, directly with a enterprise or business commercial license. Yep. It, it, it comes with, with kiosk uh, device management, with group management, you know, with, with special business support, all the things that you as a school or business would need, right? That, that from, 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 you know, out of the box. Right. And that's available that's, today for that's, our yeah. listeners. Uh, for se- yeah, yeah, it's awesome. available. It's been available in China for about a month. Uh, you know, it's taken some time for the products to ship from our factories to to the Western warehouses, but it's available today for order. So I'm 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 super excited, and I'm, I'm glad this timing of this call because uh, it actually matches the the, the 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 order availability timing. So you can you can <laughs> let your listeners so. You hear, you heard it here first on the virtual reality <laughs> podcast. We are launching, launching yes, the yes. Vive Focus Plus, which yeah. is going to be a great education yeah. solution. It sounds like I'm, I'm excited to check it out and get my hands on it. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I think if, if, if you know, a lot of people say, hey, you know, seven nine, that's a lot. Of, that's an expensive price. But at the end of the day, if you say, hey, how much does it cost right now for a, a PC based solution? And then you have to go buy a computer. You have to you have to buy a, a uh, PC-based device. You have wires, you have management, mm-hmm. you have yep. update. You have yep. to make sure that your tracking systems in a classroom works with multiple devices. All of those things uh, are you don't need anymore. This yeah, is six, six, so, 60 OF headset, 60 yeah. OF controllers, yep. and inside-out tracking? Yep, exactly. And, wow. and uh, you know, it has, it has everything you need. And we, we've also made the SDK available online. You have, you know, built-in hand tracking. Uh, you have, uh, you know, uh, all, all the SDKs that you need for, for doing mixed reality, uh, uh, mm-hmm. mixed reality education, right? So you, you can today uh, be able to put a virtual object in a real classroom. You can see each other as a, as a class. And yep. have a virtual globe, a virtual object floating in front of you, and all of you can interact with it. Right? That that's not available in any other device today, uh, and and that's the kind of education that that we see happening. It's not, it's not. I think you know, we're still we're still a few years away from having education where somebody says, okay, I'm going to have a remote classroom. You know, all you guys don't have to come to school anymore, and <laughs> we will just we will we will just educate you uh, through a a you know oasis model of of remote education. We're, we're still probably a, a few years away from that. Burn your stacks of books and we're not promoting any burning of books here. But, uh, yeah, no Fahrenheit uh, 51 but, business. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, but definitely, I, I think at some, at some point in time, that will happen in the sense of, of having remote classroom, that having the, the, the fidelity and quality of, of remote education being as good as being face-to-face. But I think in the meantime, you know, we have a, a, a great infrastructure today where, you know, hundreds of millions of kids are being educated in classrooms with t- teachers that care about them, that will give them that one-on-one training. And VR or AR is a supplement to that. 
Right? I, I think that's yep. something that a lot right. of people have to understand. It's, we're not saying, hey, we're, we're know, not we are going to replace. Yeah. We're not going to replace education. What we're finding is that it's supplemented. It makes current education better. It makes kids more engaged and it gets them more excited yep. and want to learn. Right. Once they want to learn something, they will learn it more. They will remember more. And once they interact with it, with their full body, with full interaction, be able to visualize it all in a way that does not require, you know, a, a, a unique skill. Because as you know, you know, most kids, there, there's only a third of kids that are visual learners. There's a third of kids that are audio learners. There's a third of kids that are kind of tactical learners, right? And, and, and different people learn different ways. And, and the more senses we can engage, the more they can grasp these concepts. And VR allows them to engage all their senses in a way that allows them to, to learn the way that we were meant to. There's a saying that you learn, I think, 80% of everything you're going to learn in the first five years of your life. You know, in those five years, we didn't have people cramming books down our throat. We didn't have people putting us in front of a blackboard. We just went out and experienced the world. And that's how, you know, we as a species are meant to learn. And that's what VR provides us. It provides us with that the natural way to, to consume and to understand and to retain content. So that's, that's why this, te this technology works and it works better than anything that's out there. Yeah, this is very exciting. I, I almost feel like I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm hearing Ready Player One come, come true in this conversation right now, um, which was that, a great. Definitely, I mean, Planet, Planet Ludus is, is, is on its way. That's right. <laughs> That concludes part one of our interview with Alvin Graylin. Tune in for part two next week to be privy to unpublished research on training in VR and also learn what is on the horizon for AR, VR, and merging headsets. Want to hear more or connect with us? Subscribe to the podcast and find us on social media at The VR Podcast.